a boy with one eye goes on a journey to discover his past. It's Kubo and the Two Strings. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Come out to play. <laughs> I don't get it. What? Warriors. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you Yes. <laughs> but how does that tie in? How does that tie in? Uh, a series of unfortunate events befalls a single man instead of a, a gang of uh, hoodlums. Um, that's this is it. the this is the comparison I never expected. <laughs> <laughs> Kubo and the Two Strings yeah. paired with the Warriors, pretty much a remake. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah. funny. That yeah. is funny. Good stuff. Well, welcome back to the Monster vs. Men podcast. This is the Bargain Basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways with two friends trying to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing Kubo and the Two Strings, not the Warriors mm. this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I uh, am excited for this one. Alex, it's the end of our animated series. We'll have our recap episode. Um, and then the future is slightly hidden yeah. from all of us, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll probably <laughs> Maybe Indian right. Plus today, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we really planned ahead, as, as much you can tell oh, yeah. from uh, our episodes. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots, of, lots, of, lots of planning going on over here. Lots of, lots of planning. Yeah. Months and months of planning ahead. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I've got things lined up for weeks and months. Exactly, exactly. All right, man. Well, let's jump into it uh, with the film introduction, shall we? All right. Kubo and the Two Strings marks the end of our animated monster series with its own unique style. Directed by Travis Knight, Kubo and the Two Strings tells the hero's journey of a boy named Kubo as he learns his story and finds his family. But does that journey value style over substance, or does it knock both over the fence? What do you think, Alex? I think... I think Kubo overall knocks both over the fence. It's a pretty interesting film uh, from beginning to end. You know, the art style and music are just as exciting as a lot of the story elements and the characters. For the most part, I think this film fires on all cylinders. Even its credits are capped off with that awesome song. I forgot who Mm -hmm. sings it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh... There are some issues here that do drag the fa- the film down a little bit, but honestly, with everything that's going on, both art and character-wise, it's hard not to marvel at, at a film that does some really cool things like this. Like, man, that skeleton? Mm. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what about you, though? Is this uh, over the fence or this style over this substance? Film, yes. It is over the fence um, by a couple yards. So it's over the fence. 
and it, this is probably the most surprising film I think in our monster series. So I can't remember who recommended this one, but kudos. Oh, you hadn't seen this you. before. No, oh. kudos to whoever recommended Kubo because uh, it certainly surprised me. Uh, yes, it is interesting, but yeah, I'll start with the effects as well. They are absolutely beautiful. This team knocks it out of the park. That stop motion style captivates me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just in the action sequences, which work really well, but those quiet still moments are just as stunning and just as memorable. You also have to love kind of the storytelling elements um, where they use the paper mache in that way. It reminds me of uh, what's the film uh, that we watched, Alex, that was about the boy with the grief. Oh, uh, Monster Calls. Yeah, Monster Calls, right? Uh, In some ways with those storytelling elements. Uh, I loved kind of the meta aspect of this film and those meta sequences were really cool. Um, yeah. After my gripes with hotel Transylvania last week with there not being enough horror element, I think we do get some of that horror element back that we've encountered in mm. most of these animated monster films. Those sisters <laughs> yeah. are incredibly creepy. And that monster skeleton Kaiju that you mentioned is definitely frightening. So I'm glad we got back to that element here this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's good. It's good to have it back. It's good that our children's movies have horror in them. Oh, um, have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there's like you said, there's just a lot. Uh, there's a good bit to say here that's positive. So uh, I, again, I, I kind of want to focus on these characters. I think they really work here. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single character in here that. I don't think is executed really well. You know, uh, the, the film foreshadows pretty early that Monkey and Beetle are actually his parents. I mean, it, I think it'd be pretty hard to miss that before the reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that that's okay. Uh, yeah. and, and they play off each other. What I really like about those two characters is that they play off of each other so well. Um and they're like a, just this really cute couple, you know. Uh, Hanzo slash Beetle is really funny, uh, and the way he plays around and his goofiness really lifts Monkey's character as well, and kind of gets her to be a little less cold. And then they make the, together they make a perfect pair to be like Kubo's parents, right? Mm-hmm. And make him happy and have fun and all these things. And then we get these other characters, probably the most shallow, but it's okay characters, and it's the creepy sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's okay that they're shallow because it actually makes them more creepy, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Uh, they're so well done. I love the vibe. It's just the aura change of the movie every time they come into the scene with their weird, echoey voices. Yeah. Uh, I love how they just look the exact same as each other, too. Just, as that extra layer of creepiness. And I also appreciate that the film ends by going back to one of the most special moments of the movie, and that's the town, where we spend a lot of our time. We see Kubo do probably my favorite sequence of the whole movie where he tells his story um, in front of the townsfolk. I like that we actually get to go back and revisit that. Uh, mm-hmm. because we leave those characters alone for a really long time. So to revisit the beginning location of the film is pretty nice uh, bit of the story because, you know, after those characters have gone, it's nice to have them have a say 
in how this movie ends in a lot of ways. I think that that's really cool. You know, all these people that have kind of helped maybe raise Kubo are having a bit of a say in what happens to his, his grandfather or the, the moon King. Um, and I like that they all circle around to cheer him on. Cause you know, yeah. I, Cause I was really missing the old lady. <laughs> She's so funny. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. And so it was so great to have, have her back. Because I, so I thought maybe we could swept that character to the side. Because it's been a lot. I saw this movie when it came out in theaters. And I couldn't remember if she came back or not. Um, but that that old lady character, just oh, perfect. <laughs> so, so funny, dude. And the, the, the emotions that they're able to convey with that character is so good. And so funny. Um, really though it's all of these characters that make the film work when sometimes I think maybe it doesn't and maybe I'll get into that a bit more later but I didn't even mention the Moon King really here but you know he's also great and I love the finale and resolution for that character as well what about you Eric are you, no. you you seem to like this movie quite a bit yeah, absolutely. I mean, the characters are almost all great and memorable. So I'm, I'm with you in your assessment of them. I agree. I think it's pretty obvious early on that the monkey and beetle are mom and dad. But I love the journey to get there and to see Kubo's journey to get there. And that's what it's all about. Uh, I'll also, before I get back to that, the sisters real quick. Hmm. You mentioned something that's interesting about how they look exactly the same. And that just adds an element of creepiness. Yes, but it's also a bit more than that, right? It's also the fact that they have conformed to their grandfather's sort of, or their father's sort of expectation of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> they fit into that box that the, the father is trying to control, the Moon King is trying to control. So it kind of makes sense in that sort of way, right? Oh, yeah. um, but going back to the mom and dad and the journey to get there, I was explaining to Neely that while I was watching this movie, I kept wondering to myself, why the heck is this movie called Kubo and the Two Strings? Why? <laughs> it makes no sense, right? The the little uh, instrument that he's playing only ha- it has three strings, right? Mm. Like, there's three strings in the instrument. Why is it two strings? <laughs> and so then the revelation there where he used their, t- their two strings and then adds his own for the musical finale. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is so great. I loved it. I loved it. Um, the finale with the Moon King um, is really interesting, especially like his redemption arc, right? Uh-huh. I read a critique of that ending saying that, you know, the town's just lying to this man instead of making him confront his past and redeem his past. But I don't, I don't think the movie is trying to say that his past is forgotten. It's just that that isn't the thematic tie of the movie, which the tie of the movie isn't the sins of our past, but it's the way that our memories can tie us to our past and shape our present, hmm. right? So through their forgiveness, the townspeople help rewrite his story. They give him a new story, one he surely had never had before, in order that he can live alongside them in the present and create new memories with Kubo. Now, does that work in the real world? Can that does that happen? No. But that's not the point, right? That's not the thematic point that's trying to be made. The point is speaking a new story into existence 
which is what this film is all about uh mm-hmm. which is is what redeems it's not the grandfather that redeems himself at the end it's the townspeople that help redeem the grandfather yeah yeah and and the the lying isn't a bad thing here right and and it starts out as like scared lying and then it turns into kind of like hope right that he can become somebody better um which is very cool um yeah yeah i mean i mean most of this movie for me is pretty flawless uh including that ending the the art direction Honestly, I have no complaints about any of the filmmaking of this movie. You know, again, I want to hit on that skeleton puppet reveal at the end of the film that, you know, this isn't CGI. This is an actual puppet. Like, it's absolutely incredible. And I I just, like, want to sit through the special features for this film just to understand how all of it was really done. What is CG? What is not? What is, like, ah, I just want to understand all of it. And have you seen Have you seen Pinocchio yet, Alex? No, not the new one. You need to. Yeah. Is this Guillermo yeah, del Toro's Pinocchio? Pinocchio yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I have not seen that one. I think you'd like okay. it. Okay. If you like this art direction, it's oh, awesome. Yeah. I love I love this yeah. art direction. It's so good. Yeah. Um. And it's it's just pretty flawless. But but the the, the one thing that's not flawless here is the storytelling. It's kind of a miss in some ways. Yes, the overall story is compelling and pretty effective in a lot of ways. In other ways, it's kind of strangely muddled. Um, you know, we, we kill the mom off screen, which is kind of fine, but it kind of leaves that question mark for a little while if she's really dead or not. And it, I don't like that being such a strong question in the back of my mind for a little while and then Hmm. the other choices i don't understand are probably way worse than the mom i I understand not showing the mom get killed on screen i can get i can get with with that but this one i don't understand the two sisters both get killed but we don't really ever know that we see them get hit with a blast kind of we know that they don't show up Again, mm. so I guess they're gone. <laughs> like mm. you didn't do anything with them at the end of the day. I, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed with how they finished off and quotes these characters who, as far as I know, could just be hiding in the woods somewhere. But we just have to make assumptions based on where the rest of the movie goes. And then you know, killing off Beetle so suddenly after the revelation that he was Kubo's dad and then you know Monkey builds there's this big build up with Monkey like oh it's your turn to take care of Kubo now blah 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 and then very suddenly while she's building it all up he gets killed and just stabbed in the back by one of the sisters and it's so sudden and unemotional in a lot of ways that it doesn't feel like he's really dead because I, there's just no oomph there. Because we just kind of drop it. We're like, oh, like he, Kubo's sad for a minute, but it's like it's hard to believe that this character, who's a samurai, just died instantaneously when he was stabbed, and it just mm. stays slumped over in the background as Kubo walks off. It's mm. 
it's it's weird. It, it's too abrupt and emotionless, honestly. And and honestly, that scene really bothers me. But yeah. Other than that, the other story elements really hit. But those three things are left yeah. a little too vague and open and somewhat sudden to yeah. to to hit the mark. Uh, I think when it really needs to. Well, what about you, Eric? Do you think this film made any missteps here? Uh, maybe, but I honestly not in the ways that that you're describing to me. I am with you for a second. Um, yeah, Beatles' death is very abrupt, and I did think maybe he wasn't gone until the two strings part happened. I was like, okay, yeah, they're definitely gone, right? Like that's the point in this moment. And it's it's the development of the theme. It does not, you're right, it does not linger there enough. And maybe there could have been a bit more of a reckoning in that moment. But I feel like the climax of the movie and the very end of the movie are all that reckoning uh, with this loss. Because the other reality is that Kubo's loss of his father happened long before that moment in question, right? Yes, he just learned that beetle was his father but that revelation yeah maybe we could have gone on a little bit longer i get that but for the sake of the film kubo's father had been dead the entire time and so the loss isn't quite as it's yeah it's quick but it's also been there right there we've we felt that loss throughout Uh, my criticisms but are I, i really have two criticisms and they, they really don't detract much from my experience overall, but they still are slight criticisms. The first is the Japanese element of this film. I think that the parts that lean into the Japanese culture work really well, hmm. but then there's other parts of it that I'm like, uh, this feels more like an American-made movie than a Japanese movie. And so when that starts kind of like bleeding together, you start to I start to question sort of the authenticity of that Japanese spirit. You know, similar to my criticism of Prey, right, in a sense. But uh, you start to question that Japanese spirit when you start to see some of these American story elements infused into this uh, Japanese fable or folk tale. Hmm. There's that element of stillness that I mentioned could be beautiful where we start the film with a lot of stillness, but then eventually that stillness starts to uh, fade as we have more and more chaos that could have helped kind of steer the ship in a more folk tale sort of direction. And then of course, like I'm not a type of person that thinks every single actor in this film should have been Japanese. Nah, it's okay. (laughs) That does not, but I mean, I do think when you're when you're looking at the authenticity and you're looking at who makes this film all together, and there's doesn't seem like any Japanese person involved. There's like four. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like there's many, right? <laughs> They're not like in the main credits of the film at all. You're like, okay, uh, there's just a little bit of uh, element of it for me. I, I oh. wish we had leaned a little bit more into that Japanese. Um, past that Japanese heritage instead of using it as a as a almost sometimes as a stylistic tool it's like we like the style but we're gonna kind of do our own substance now 
that's that's harsh, right? That may be harsh. I could understand that criticism. It didn't detract from the film too much for me. The second uh, detractor might be the theme. The theme is a little bit generic, right? Like this sort of memory type of thing. It hit me. That's the thing, though. Like I, I loved. I actually liked it a lot. Uh, and the ending, I was like, oh my gosh! But it was a bit heavy-handed. Though I will say again, I'm not. I don't think that's a huge detractor. And with this sort of story that is a clear fable, your themes are going to be a bit more heavy-handed in this style of story. So again, it didn't detract from my experience, but I could see those two criticisms um, and hear those points clearly, and they may lower my assessment of the film just a tad. Mm, Okay. Eric, what's on MVM Plus this week? MVM Plus? Oh, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll probably talk about the future of of Monsters vs. Men, where we're heading, what we're going to do. We'll catch up, see if you've watched anything in this past week. I'm sure you have. Mm. Uh, But yeah, it'll it'll be a good time no matter what. Okay. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) That's over at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod. All right, compelling character award. Who you got, Alex? I had mother. Uh, very cool character. You know, ran away from her father because she didn't want to be into this creepy conformist cult. Um, and you know, the whole her whole little story and her weird arc where she's uh, unable to function during the daytime, but at night she comes alive was really interesting and sad really poignant moments there and then also you know her character as monkey as she begins to warm up it's just really cool so uh, i would have liked to see even more of mother in this movie but she's in it a good bit so i can't complain no i love mother you probably took my character uh (laughs) mother's awesome for sure mine is moon king though right i am a bit curious about moon king's past grandfather's past Mm. what made him into the way that he is but there's there's a complexity there still, you know, in the dream sequence where uh, we're not sure who it is. We can make assumptions, right? We we kind of know more than Kubo. So, uh, yeah, I think that the grandfather's past has a whole lot uh, of of backstory that could have been explored, but it still makes him into a compelling character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he is so is somehow redeemable. Right. Yep. Shows yeah. that there is a history that led him down the way he went, which is really cool. It's good. No, it is good. Um, all right, man. Most memorable line. What you got? Uh, mine was a, a a beetle line. He said, "I'm either a samurai or a really bad hoarder. Either way, inside my thorax beats the heart of a warrior." <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Matthew yeah. McConaughey does a really great job here. Uh, yeah, as as Beetle, he, he sells me on that samurai insect character, uh, mm-hmm. who is aloof at all times. It seems like like half in, half out, but also remarkably talented. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that bow and arrow is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, what about you? Aaron? Um, mine is a recurring line throughout, but I thought it did a really great job at showcasing this film and tying it all together and it's Kubo's line if you must blink do it now Mm. Um, love love that sort of device to to tie together the different threads so that was good 
Yeah. Yep. I like that too. Can't believe the acting award. Mm, I had Brenda Vaccaro as Cameo, who is the old lady in the village. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> hysterical character. So funny. So caring. Uh, <laughs> I want I want to spin off just about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's hilarious. She really is. <laughs> um, mine is Rooney Mara as the sisters. The sisters are incredibly creepy. Um, mm-hmm. I had no idea it was Rooney Mara, right? Uh, no idea. But as I was thinking about voices that stood out, now there are some effects played into her, right? But it was almost like she was doing two voices probably recorded separately and then edited together. So it was a really cool effect, a good performance. Uh, really had an effect on me. So Rooney Mara's uh, sister's performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great job. What about, oh, that's a good shot. Mine is the sisters uh, they, when they show up. And one of the sisters is in the... You think there's only one of them, and then the second one comes from behind during this like mm. kind of close up of the first sister. Very yeah. cool shot. Very creepy. Love the the setting that that has for the scene. Yeah, yeah. you basically took my shot right there, Alex. <laughs> now, mine, the one I was going to choose, I'm not going to choose it because it's so close. It's actually kind of like when you see the sister from a distance, mm. and right before then, I think right before it's either right before or after. And you see it from a distance, and you're like, "What is what is that?" Right, like um, the very first appearance. It's it's creepy uh, as all get out, but yeah, that was a great moment. Mm-hmm. But I'll take one of those. Um, you know me, Alex. I've got to take the the kind of the sunset shot from the mountain overlook where Kubo and his mother live. Uh, I, I, I always will be a sucker for that sunset mm, coloring. Yeah, it's a good shot. It's a good shot. <laughs> Uh, unique award, Alex. What you got? Uh, my unique award is uh, best storytelling moment, also known as the best paper moment. And this is just Kubo doing his whole story, where they're yeah. doing all this whole sequence with the samurai. I love the, some of the sequences where like he'll chop away the character's head off, uh, like like the the paper chicken yeah. dragon, and then like they like cover the kid's eyes because it is like super violent, but it's just paper. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. That whole sequence is just great. I could have watched the whole movie <laughs> in that style. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was really cool. What about you? Mine was the uh, Hold Back Emotion Award. Ooh. And really, it was just like the final moments of the movie. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect this to, to pack that much of a punch. Uh, like the whole movie overall kind of culminating in that moment where you see Kubo's... Uh, mom and dad together with him you know in their like healthy restored Mm. form um as this sort of like memory this sort of spirit that's with kubo uh yeah like again heavy-handed uh uh meant to be emotionally uh gutting yes did it work on me yes for (laughs) sure so i I love that that ending of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah it's really it's really good. Really good. Really good. Yeah, man. Uh, final thoughts and tiered rating. What you thinking about this one, Alex? Yeah, I think this is a really, really good one. Um, just for almost art style alone, 
uh, <laughs> it, it would almost get there with the uh, Godzilla tier. But then you add in these really great human characters, or I guess it doesn't matter if they're human or not, really great characters um, who really flesh out this world as well as these just um, all these amazing effects and really poignant story choices. So yes, some I don't think are executed well. And I think it drops the ball at some pretty crucial moments, actually. But overall, there are plenty of other moments that hit really strongly. And so I gotta give this a, a Godzilla tier. I think I think it is a really great film, and it makes me want to recheck out um, some of the other like movies, like uh, Paranorman and Coraline. I've, I've seen both of those, but mm-hmm. Box Trolls I haven't seen, so I kind of want to check that out to kind of round out that uh, those four films that they've made. Mm. Yeah, I Paranorman would have probably made a good film for this mm, series yeah it would have Alex. yeah it would have been a good one um oh man i don't think i've seen paranorman and i haven't seen what was the other one i have seen Coraline, Coraline and then good. box trolls i have not seen box trolls so uh yeah this is a godzilla tier film for me as well if you couldn't tell by my gushing about it throughout this review um to me it hit all the right notes uh, it had emotional moments. It had stunning action moments. It had those quiet, still pauses Ooh. that I always can appreciate when it's done well. And 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 beautiful music in the background never hurts um, either. So altogether, this is a simple story, but a story that moves at a good pace, has a good message. Um, the only detractors could be not leaning enough into the Japanese element of this film. Um, and yeah, it might be a bit heavy handed though. I can excuse that for just the type of story that it is. It is a fable. So it is going to be a bit heavy handed at the end of the day anyway. (laughs) But beyond those two small detractors, this is a top, film for me a biggest surprise of the animated series it's a godzilla tier all right all right Ooh. so next week alex we'll cap things off um with our animated series recap we'll rank these films that we've watched um as we look ahead to, to what's next and kind of tie some strings together between some of these films <laughs> and give <laughs> give um some awards to uh, multiple different films as we look at our overall awards for the series. Mm, yeah, I, I'm excited for the recap. I wonder if your list will be crap or will it make our audience clap? Oh, it'll make <laughs> our audience clap, Alex. Mm, no. Yeah, that's for sure. All I know is as that my always. list will slap. Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I, I was thinking after your list, I'd probably take a nap. Oh, so. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on Kubo and the Two Strings at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. 
You can message us and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Become a bargain base my at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Fabius Sear, John Freeman, Christopher Clavero, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Combo Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Sublock B, Louis Loop, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't go out after dark. <laughs> and try, try to, stay to stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Eric, what's on MVM Plus yes. this week? MVM Plus? Oh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it'll it'll be a good time no matter what.